You're listening to the Colts Blue Zone Podcast with Mike Chappell and Dave Griffiths. Inside the Fox 59 CBS4 Podcast Conference Room, welcome to another Colts Blue Zone Podcast. Alongside Joe Hopkins here in the in-house, I'm Dave Griffiths and Mike Chappell joining us from his Beach Grove estate. Uh, plenty to look forward to as the Colts host a Thursday night football game against the Jets, actually hosting a primetime national game, which is fantastic. First time in four years, I believe. We'll preview it, providing an injury update. We'll break down keys to the game. We'll make predictions. Uh, but first, starting with a little news around the league and both here in Indianapolis specifically, the NFL trade deadline has came and it is gone. And Marlon Mack remains with the Colts is where we'll begin. Uh, Chap, we were talking with Marlon a couple weeks ago after uh, not a trade demand, certainly, but a trade request was made to uh, to Chris Bauer in the front office. And uh, it did, did seem like uh, that there was some... Uh, both sides kind of wanted to get, would like to get something done. But uh, if you hear this, you just, I guess, the, uh, the the return price, if there ever was one from an interested team, was not anything that the Colts would think is in the best interest of the franchise to make the move. So Marlon Mack stays on. He will continue to back up Jonathan Taylor for the foreseeable future. Yeah, I mean, the, 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 there couldn't have been an there couldn't have been an offer. I mean, wouldn't you have taken just about anything, a six or a seven for Marlon Mack? I mean, I know real people tend to overvalue your own players, but you were not going to get more than a six for him. Uh, you, you just weren't. So there couldn't have been an offer. And, and then once they, once they cut Jordan Wilkins, I don't know how enthusiastic I would have been getting rid of Marlon Mack. So uh, he, he's here. And again, it, it it's not great for him because his role here will be what it is, which is, you know, what, five carries on a good day. But uh, it benefits the team because it gives them depth at a position that it seems like you always need help before the season's over. Yeah, Joe, Mike makes a great point. When Jordan Wilkins was cut, I think the writing was on the wall here that nothing was coming into Chris Ballard. And I, I know we talked about this a couple weeks ago when it first happened that uh, you saw that uh, fans on Twitter were, were texting us or tweeting us saying that, I hope they get at least a second round pick for it. Well, no, 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 no. <laughs> and, uh, but, but uh, unfortunately, like Mike said, I just don't think there were any possible suitors out there. If anything, anybody would uh, hope the Colts would cut him and then would, would try to pick him up after that. But that was probably never going to be in the cards either since he's under contract and he has value here as a backup as long as he is here. Yeah, I mean, a sixth or seventh round pick at that point, he's more valuable to you keeping him on the team just in case Jonathan Taylor has to miss a game or gets hurt. For sure. You know, something like that with a sixth rounder. Now, fourth or fifth, yeah, you probably make that deal. Um, but Marlon Mack sticking around. Uh, and he probably won't contribute a whole lot unless Jonathan Taylor goes down. So if all goes right for the Colts, it's going to be a quiet year for Marlon Mack. And we certainly know that the Colts have not shied away from running Naheem Hines either, uh, either between the tackles or in or or in his more of a role as a, kind of a, a change of pace guy. Though I, I can't say a gadget guy because uh, Naheem will call into the show and uh, and have Please words don't. with me. Please don't. Nope, I'm not. I, I won't. I refuse. I, I won't do it because it's not true. Um, also in the division, Deshaun Watson stays with the Houston Texans. Uh, no one was willing to pay their uh, rather exorbitant price. Uh, when, when Deshaun is on the field and when there are no issues around him, then maybe he is worth three first round picks, Joe. But right now, when there are either uh, civil suits or uh, criminal, not charges, but a criminal case that is at least being investigated, um, down there, a, a team just just can't give up that type of future capital with so much 
uncertainty as to the future of its return. Yeah, I think any team interested in Watson had 20-plus reasons not to pull the trigger at the trade deadline. I, I, you know, I'm not sure how quickly his legal issues are going to be resolved, but at very least he'll have to wait to the offseason to find a new team. And it, it makes sense. If you're any football team, you're going to be very cautious with these kind of allegations being brought against a guy who, if you trade for him and make – you know, sacrifice three first round picks. And I think they also wanted like two starters. Yeah. yeah. It was Some, more than that. Yeah. Something exactly. crazy like that. If you're going to give up all that and then bring in a guy who's supposed to be the face of your franchise now, you want to make sure he doesn't have any of those allegations or legal issues. So it makes sense that Watson stays where he is and the um, the saga just going to continue. Yeah. And Mike, obviously we haven't focused too much on this saga because they're in Houston, we're in Indianapolis, but we have touched on it here and there since we have some type of relationship being in the AFC South. But I think some people might always forget, might forget that uh, Deshaun Watson sitting out is not just a product of his, um, of his legal issues. He also has problems with the franchise. He has come out and he has said, I am not playing for this franchise again. So this is, this is something that the player really does want to trade and the franchise is trying to make it work, but obviously they're just been unable to do it given everything that's happened off the field. Yeah. Like you said, I don't know how, first of all, it would take, a, it would take, I don't say desperation because this guy's a great talent when he's on the field. If we just erase the off field things for, for the moment, you would still have to think long and hard in a, as a franchise to give up what they want because they're going to want a bunch. I mean, a, a bunch. But to do that and simply not know uh, what, what n- not the future a year, two years, three years down the road is, but, but in the next two months, I, I still don't understand why the league hasn't done something. W- what happens if Houston wakes up tomorrow and they say that we're, short, we're starting Deshaun Watson Sunday? I mean, I mean, does the league finally step in and say, no, you're not? They're carrying this guy active on the roster for so many reasons because there's nothing else to do with him. They've not made it made any kind of a move with him. So any team, that, let's say what, I guess Miami's owner talked to him on the trading deadline. I don't know what that was about. I mean, what was he going to say? I, I'm, I'm innocent. What, what was he trying to gauge? But for all you know, as soon as you, as soon as you, swallow hard and make the trade, then maybe the league does say, we're not going to let you put that guy in the field. Well, if you do that in November, why wouldn't you do that in September? I, I don't. That's what I don't understand is I see no way that the league allows him to play in Houston, wherever, until this is resolved one way or the other. And and there has to be enough information to to put him on the commissioner's list because of all the allegations. I mean, I think there have been players that have been put on the list. I don't want to say for less than this, but I'd have to go back and look at the uh, Ben Roethlisberger situation. And whether I, I can't remember if there were ever charges made or whether those were just allegations. I, I don't remember. But that's such an ambiguous list, a commissioner's list. You can put probably anybody on there for any decent reason, and this would see a decent reason. So... I'm not surprised it didn't happen, but to get rid of him to, to make the trade next off season, unless this is resolved, I still don't know how you do it. 
It's a scenario we'll certainly continue to touch on here and there when more news breaks or when uh, more uh, information comes out. So, uh, so yeah, in, in time, uh, the Houston Texans will figure out what the heck is going on with the future of their franchise, but they certainly uh, don't know right now at that quarterback position. Uh, more moves here in Indianapolis. The Colts waived Brett Hundley from the 53-man roster. Hundley has since signed with the practice squad, and what that means is the rookie, Sam Ellinger, is now Carson Wentz's backup. The Colts have two quarterbacks on their 53-man roster. That is it. Those two players. So, Joe, we've gone from uh, exactly. You're, I see you're making <laughs> movements here from one to the next to the next here in studio. But we, we've gone from Frank Reich saying Jacob Eason has earned that backup role to Frank Reich saying we really like Brett Huntley's experience to now Sam Ellinger, the sixth-round rookie, being the backup quarterback to Carson Wentz. Hunley's experience with, with, seemed with no, to not With no be experience. Enough. With no experience, exactly. Yeah, yeah, Good point. Yeah. His, his experience didn't seem to help him when it came to Ellinger. Uh, maybe one day we'll know what the deal is with Jacob Eason. Probably not, though. Um, and uh, you know what? I think Ellinger probably gives him the best chance if Carson Wentz went down tomorrow. Um, a guy who can get in there, make some plays with his legs, just kind of a gamer. That's the word I keep going back to. Um, I don't think he has the tools to be a long-term answer, but uh, not many guys drafted after the first couple rounds do. Yeah, Chap, what do, what do you think about this whole backup quarterback saga that we've had this year? I think they talked themselves into a, into a corner and then really couldn't talk themselves out of it. And, and this all goes back to the story that we pounded and pounded and pounded about not bringing in a veteran. And I'm not talking a veteran like Brett Hundley. I will repeat for the thousandth time, he was on his couch in July. For, for People are on their couch for a reason in July when there's 90 players on 32 rosters. But, yeah, I just don't – I just th – there were no good options. They, they, they tried to talk themselves into Jacob Eason. He was given every opportunity to be the guy. And, and I'm not saying the Rams that, – that five passes against the Rams. That's got nothing to do with it really. But to, to, to now go to Ellinger, uh, maybe he holds the fort for a half or a game. I don't think so. I, I think we haven't seen nearly enough to even remotely be optimistic. So they, they paint himself into a corner. And, and like you said, it, it was one day it was this and one day it was that. And, and, and I was wrong early in the week because I thought, well, you, you've got Hunley back on the practice squad, so you elevate him on Thursday, and then he's he could be your backup again. But you can't. They've already exhausted their, their two elevations. So right now, with him on the practice squad, which means he's a free agent. If somebody's out there just lathering up to get Brad Hunley, they can get him. But all he is is a third arm. He, he, he's, a, he's a practice arm. So I, it, it's – like I say, maybe one day we'll find out what they really didn't like about Eason. It's obvious to me that he didn't grasp the offense, and they didn't think he would grasp the offense at any point. And the league has been full of court not full, but there have been a lot of quarterbacks that it's Dick Vitale's all-airport team to where they just wow you. He, he, he looks like a quarterback. He throws like a quarterback. He doesn't play like a quarterback. So, you know, maybe in three years he'll be out there slinging for Seattle. I doubt it. But they simply have got to address this in the offseason. Not to tell us what went on. I don't mean that. But are they really hooked 
to Ellinger as being the backup long-term. I would still like to see a veteran come in here next year. Maybe they've shown us by this past offseason that that's not going to happen, but not the least bit comfortable. You're you're now one bullet away from Sam Ellinger trying to get you into the playoffs, and that's just kind of scary to me. I'll say this about Ellinger, guys. Uh, Carson Wentz is back up back in Philly that went to the Super Bowl. Nick Foles. Now Carson Wentz is back up here in Indianapolis. Sam Ellinger. They both went to Westlake High School in Austin, Texas. Coincidence of coincidences. That's all I have to say. That, that, that's it. That, that, that's the entire. If we could only play that high school schedule, I'd be okay with it. So yeah. since they're not. <laughs> yeah, it, we'll see. I, this has this has the, the potential to really blow up in their face like a couple other decisions they made in the offseason, unfortunately, but it'll be fun to watch. Uh, Colts have elevated running back Deion Jackson, Jackson, excuse me, and safety Josh Jones from the practice squad to the 53, to the man, to the now 55 man roster uh, for game day on Thursday. And chap, if I'm not mistaken, that's the second time they've elevated Deion Jackson now too, because um, they elevated him last week. So I think you said it's two elevations you get, like it was. It's with two Brett elevations, and and then you have to make him active roster, which they did to Hunley uh, a, f- a few weeks ago. Right. So it's quite possible they do so with Deion Jackson, uh, since if they really want to carry four running backs on the roster, um, he did play I think thirteen special team snaps last week. So he he found a place on the special teams, assuming that he's out there performing well. I don't have the special teams tape. I'm, that's not exactly something I'm breaking down on a Monday morning before I go into work. Uh, so, uh, so anyway, that's uh, certainly a, a, a position we should, uh, be paying attention to moving forward. Um, well, and, and that, that, yeah. that was what Jordan Wilkins was giving you really right. when, when he was playing early, he, he was a strong special teams player and that's probably what this will be, whether he's going to be a guy that maybe he returns kicks with Ashland Doolin, uh, now being more involved in, in, in the offense. So I think they do bring him to the active roster. You normally carry four running backs and then it's all going to be about how you shuffle positions and, you know, number of players at positions. And I tell you, if there's a guy you want on the roster, you can always find somebody to get rid of. It's true. It's a good point. Uh, one more roster move this week. Defensive end Tyquan Lewis placed on injured reserve. And like that, that play that Tyquan Lewis made, it, it, you, you gloss over it last week. And I think you guys did a great job earlier earlier this week just breaking down what happened in that game and all the emotions that could come for Colts fans from it. So I encourage everyone listening uh, to uh, subscribe to the Colts Blue Zone podcast. Get us delivered to your podcast listening device as soon as we drop. We usually do two every week. One game recap comes out on Monday. This one, a game preview that usually comes out Thursday. We're doing it, obviously, a day early this week since uh, the Colts play on Thursday night. But but that Taekwon Lewis play can get shuffled into the background because of everything that happened at the end of that game. And it, it's, I wouldn't, it's, it's not criminal to do so because obviously everything that happened later is so important. But gosh, that Taekwon Lewis play was such a game-changing play at the time. I believe it was 14-7 to 7 at the time. And like that, on that play, the Colts got everything they wanted. Everything they wanted. Good blitz, hurried throw, right into the defensive end who dropped back into zone coverage. He picks it off, which is something you can't say for every defensive end. He had good hands. He made the play. He turns to run, and then his knee just gives out on him. And we've seen it in the past from so many other players. Your knee gives out. Your leg gives out. 
all of a sudden you drop the ball too. And you don't, I don't blame Taekwon Lewis one lick for that. It's just a horrible situation that it happens to him, that horrible injury, and he can't hold on to the ball. It falls down. Tennessee picks it back up. Next play, A.J. Brown, 57-yard touchdown. A gigantic turning point in the game and just an unfortunate scenario, Mike, that Taekwon Lewis finds himself in the middle of right now. And as I tweeted out at the time, a contract year for him, an awful situation to go down at this point of at this juncture in the season. You saw him playing from time to time. He wasn't exactly in the backfield every other snap. I'm not going to say that, but he had certainly cemented at least a role for himself in this defense for this year. I felt horrible for Taekwon on a play that could have been such a big game-changing, maybe a season-changing play for him, go completely the opposite direction. Yeah, from a team standpoint, you're right. I mean, the the, the swing was 10 points, maybe 14 points, because I think they would have gotten the ball at about the 40, the 35, I think. So let's say you drive for a field goal, maybe take it in, and you're up 21-7. And then for for the 57-yard touchdown on on perhaps one of the most high schoolish plays we're going to see a, a cornerback make, give up, give up the reception fine, but push him out of bounds for crying out loud. But on, on Taekwon Lewis, of all the uh, wh- whomever is going to be the, the Colts free agents next year, he's probably the one I would have targeted for a new contract. Not 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 a massive lottery contract, and he probably wouldn't have asked for that. But he he was real. He's been the one defensive end I think that has shown you the most. I realize it's his fourth year. But we're still waiting for Quiddy Pay. You know, I think he's played okay. We're still they're still not getting the pass rush they need from him. But Tyquan Lewis was giving you plays. Uh, I think he'd had is it three sacks? I think two or three sacks, and he's getting pressure, some tackles for losses. And who's going to step up and be that guy now? Mohammed's done. I think done a pretty good job as a rotational player. They've got some good rotational guys. Tyquan was sort of a notch above rotational and a notch below the kind of starter you want to have. But, but I really liked the way he was playing. And it's just, it's just, you just, it, it's similar to Marlon Mack last year, contract year, and you're expecting big things, probably more so from Mack than you were from Lewis. But right now, you're going to be looking at a long rehab and probably a one-year contract, a one-year prove it contract. Cause that's, that's the way this works. Feel bad for him because he, he, he worked his butt off, went through some hard things. Was it in year two to year three, I think it was, where his confidence, and he talked about getting himself right mentally, and and he finally did. He, he, he got it. For whatever was bothering him, minor injuries and, and whatever else, he got it. And this is a big loss because I, I unless Dio comes up and really steps up the last – you know, half of the season, which he could. I mean, it's let, let's not expect too much from Dio right now because he's played, what, a half or, or a game or whatever the snaps were. But losing Taekwon Lewis, is, it's not a small thing. It's, it's like the game itself. It, 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 it got overshadowed because everything else that went on after it, we shouldn't overshadow the fact that this was a pretty big loss uh, for the defense. Yeah, and if you're talking about who's going to take snaps in the meantime, Joe, I think uh, Chap hit it on the head with Dio's going to get probably a couple more. You certainly still don't want to throw him into the deep end, I think, if you're the Colts. You can't give all of the snaps to him. And I think Isaac Rochelle was uh, inactive last week, so we might see him move to the active uh, 
uh, active side of the 53-man roster uh, when when kickoff comes against the Jets if you're trying to spread things out a little bit more. So good thing is, like, Chris Ballard has built some depth on this line, some experienced depth on the defensive line. But like Mike was saying, I think the Taekwon had kind of separated himself a little bit from those other guys. That's why he was getting those snaps. That's why they put him in positions like uh, dropping back in zone coverage that really need they really need to rely on a defensive end to to do correctly, like very correctly on that player, or else you're getting completely burned. So, um, so he, he had built a trust relationship with, uh, with uh, defensive coordinator Matt Eberflus, and unfortunately the Colts are going to have to turn elsewhere for that in the future. Yeah, get some uh, experience for their young, young defensive ends there. And yeah. it, it's, I think Mike put it best Monday when he said that Taekwon Lewis would probably be the third-ranked defender on that defensive line behind Buckner and behind Grover Stewart, who's the next best guy. I think most people here would say currently Taekwon Lewis, um, although Quiddy Pay was probably close to him, wasn't quite making – I mean, Taekwon had a sack the very play before the interception. Yep. He, he, was, he was playing good football. So this hurts the team at a position where they were already kind of weak this year. Let's go to the Colts injury report for this week as they get set to host the New York Jets on Thursday night football broadcast on Fox 59 locally in central Indiana. Uh, Rodgers. Oh, yeah, we want to do Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, shoot, I forgot about that. Aaron Rodgers. Uh, Thank you, Joe, uh, for reminding me. Something happened Uh, there. Did something happen to Aaron Rodgers? Did something happen to Aaron Rodgers? My goodness, something (laughs) happened to Aaron Rodgers. It was whatever it was what everyone else was was thinking was going to happen to Carson Wentz, and is what we we said at the beginning of the year had a better chance of happening to Carson Wentz than had to a bunch of other players in the league. And apparently, uh, Aaron Rodgers was in the same boat as Carson all along, and we didn't know it. Um, Carson Wentz, according to multiple reports today, tested positive for COVID nineteen. Aaron Rodgers tested. Positive. Aaron Rodgers. Sorry, did I say Carson Wentz? Yeah. Shoot, I, I'm sorry, oh, Dad, oh. Dave. Dave. <laughs> I'm opening up a, a whole new can of worms right here. Jeez. Sakes alive. Like no. Have some people crash their exactly. cars. Exactly. Like, wait a minute. No. Aaron Rodgers tested positive for COVID 19, and he will miss the game this weekend for the Packers against the Chiefs. And it has also come out, as I was alluding to with the Carson Wentz reference before I took a left turn myself, Aaron Rodgers is also unvaccinated. And that was according to multiple reports this afternoon as well, which comes as a bit of a surprise, Mike, because earlier this year, when asked the question, Rogers said, I'm immunized or something to that extent. So he was using slightly different verbiage at the time to try to lure people into the direction, there. sneak past the question exactly and not not listen to it. But so so here we are that Carson, not Carson, I'm, I'm going to shut up now. Boy, you're, you're, gonna, Aaron, you're really going to you're going to get this. Out, aren't you? The Carson Wentz is. I am, but but my point is, Aaron Rodgers in the position that we thought Carson Wentz might be in at some point of this year, and the Green Bay Packers are now experiencing the worst case scenario. Your starting quarterback is out at minimum ten days right now since he tested positive as an unvaccinated player. Yeah, I just saw a note from Ian Rappaport where he said uh, Aaron Rodgers received homopathic treatment from his personal doctor to raise his antibody levels and ask the NFL to review his status. The NFL basically said, "Pound sand, uh, you're not you're not vaccinated." And my question, and it, it'll come out because it always comes out, is has he been following unvaccinated protocol with the Packers? Has he been getting tested every day? Or yes, every day now, isn't it for unvaccinated players? I believe so. Uh, yes. You know, and, and there are stricter rules. There simply are through the season on on unvaccinated players. And if not, the Packers are looking at some stiff 
discipline to allow to have allowed that to happen. But yeah, he he back was it back in training camp first open. I guess he was asked about vaccination. I said he said I'm I'm immunized, and then he, but he still led you to believe he was vaccinated because he said there are a lot of guys who are unvaccinated, and, and they're you know that's their personal decision. So he still sort of implied he was vaccinated. Now whether there was follow ups or whatever, I don't know. But th- this is again this is. We're not we're not going to go down the rabbit hole of vaccination, unvaccination, but the the difference is like like Joe's mentioned, unvaccinated, it's ten days, it's ten days, and vaccinated, you know, if you if you're a breakthrough and you get it, it's it's asymptomatic and then two twenty four or two negative tests in twenty four hours. Now whether that whether that could happen this quickly if he's vaccinated and, and placed on the I I I don't know if there is a time frame five days or just two in 24 hours. I'm not that schooled on this. I may be, I may need to be one of these days when the Colts put out something, but uh, yeah, this is, this is really, you know, a a major thing when, when maybe the front runner for MVP after leading a, a game when he's down, you know, two top receivers and he loses his tight end. But beyond all that, to win, what what really is going to be the what what is going to drive this is him either either lying or misleading the media, and how far up the food chain did that did that deception go? And I would think in the next couple of days we'll find out. Joe, this is a uh, a crazy scenario for Green Bay to handle right now. I was just looking at the uh, the lines before I came in here today. The betting lines: the Green Bay went from a one point favorite against Kansas City to a seven point underdog without Aaron Rodgers. That's an eight-point swing, uh, according to Vegas, without your quarterback, which certainly makes a whole ton of sense, and it makes even more sense if your wide receiver is going to be out longer. I don't know about their status, honestly, right now, if you ask me, so don't don't ask me. Uh, but this is... Like this is a um, like like we said a a crazy situation. Now Jordan Love's going to get his first NFL start, and the Packers are without their starting quarterback for at least ten days. Yeah, and this is a situation that I hope doesn't happen to the Colts mm-hmm. because if Rogers, the point is if Rogers was vaccinated, he'd still have a chance to play this week. But that's completely out the window because he's not vaccinated. If Carson Wentz is still unvaccinated, and I believe that to be the case, although I believe I'm not, he is. Um, yeah, I don't think it's confirmed or anything. Um, the Colts might be facing a similar scenario sometime this year. And, I mean, this just stinks as an NFL fan. Last week uh, we were robbed of Devontae Adams and DeAndre Hopkins. And then this week we're robbed of Mahomes versus Aaron Rodgers. So it, it stinks for the Packers. It stinks as a football fan. And I hope it's something that doesn't impact Indianapolis throughout this season I'll say this also Aaron Rodgers has a really good relationship with Pat McAfee goes on his radio show and of course folks here in Indianapolis are very familiar with Pat and uh, and his talents is what he does now so uh, I look forward to seeing him on there because I I think that could be a very interesting discussion too if he does choose to go on if he can go on maybe the Packers are going to try to curtail things but but who knows? Um, I, I, I look forward to the next time Aaron Rodgers addresses the media and see exactly uh, what what shakes out of it. So now we can move on to the Colts injury report for this week. Taking on the New York Jets, Thursday night football broadcast in central Indiana on Fox 59. T.Y. Hilton will not play in this game. He has a concussion he suffered last week, which dead gum like uh, chap. It's it, it's a sh- 
I, I'm like, with T.Y., I'm like, come on, man. Like, you, you come back from, from your neck injury, and then there's a quad injury. You come back from the quad injury, you get this concussion. So it's, it's just, like, it's, it's, been a, it's been a snowball effect, it seems like. He comes back, gets hurt, comes back, gets hurt. And like, there, there's always that, that group of people that, that call T.Y. an injury-prone receiver. Well, we've always had a, a response to that in the past. Like, well, he played, what, 15 games last year? He always plays. He always plays, except for that one year where he got knocked out terribly with the uh, the ankle. Really, that he was out for like five to eight games, something like that. I forget exactly how many it was, but like, he always plays, even though he's been knocked knocked around here and there. This year, these injuries are keeping him out, and uh, once again, the Colts will be without the ghost as the Jets come to town on Thursday. The three and fourteen without T.Y. Hilton Colts against the Jets. So yeah, it's really it it's really unfortunate. And we were talking in the press room and. I'm sure a lot of people have thought this. I, I I just really feel this will be his last year. I think at the end of the year we're going to get some kind of a retirement. I just I just do because remember he thought about it coming out of the next surgery. Uh, the only question is will will he will he get enough games to work and be a factor with the concussion? And I tell you, I was watching that play from the press box, and the first thing that popped into my head was the play where he got. I thought he got hurt in training camp. The last training camp practice goes up in the end zone and lands flat, you know, on his head, neck, back, whatever, and was down for a while. And, and that's where he, I, I guess he really aggravated the, the, the disc in his neck, but yeah, it's just, it, it's just been one thing after the other. And, and, and it's easy to sit there now and say, well, I see you never should have given him that one year, whatever it was, eight or $10 million contract. And, how crazy! Well, that, 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 you didn't know that. That's that, that's hindsight, and you, and you really can't do that. I really was in favor of it, and I thought he would he would be that give you that one more year to really give you I don't know fifty sixty catches, and really be the the the, the bridge the transition to Michael Pittman. And it's just unfortunate that he, that he's not staying healthy. I'm there was there was zero chance. You get a concussion in, in a Sunday game when you play on Thursday. There, there's just not time. That happened with uh, Andrew Luck uh, back in the Luck era. He gets hurt it was on, on Thanksgiving, uh, wasn't it? He got he got hurt on a Sunday, and then they, they played Thursday. Uh, Pittsburgh, I think it was Pittsburgh. Yeah, it's got Tol- yeah. Scott Tolzien uh, started back back in the Scott Tolzien era. So yeah, it's 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 unfortunate because we saw in the Houston game he can still play. He, he's he's not going to carry you. He's not going to carry your passing game. He can still play and get you four or five catches and stretch the field. And hopefully he'll get past this concussion soon. Be ready for Jacksonville and finish the season. I would hate to see his career end with what two games. Well, I mean, I, I'm losing count now. Two and a half games, uh, and, and that's it. I, I I hope he comes back and can make some impact in what I really think will be his last season. Cornerback Bo Pete Keys, a hamstring injury, missed practice on both Monday and Tuesday. Uh, safety Kari Willis, the calf injury, missed practice on Monday and Tuesday. And then Quentin Nelson, uh, with a toe injury, was limited on Monday and then missed practice on Tuesday. I'd imagine from that, I think he got injured on Monday and then missed practice on Tuesday. I don't know if that, uh, chap, I don't know if uh, you know anything more about that, but that's certainly something probably to watch come inactives uh, if you. If you miss a practice, just to just to just to keep your eye on. I don't know exactly how serious it is, but uh, to see you get injured one day and miss the next day always is kind of a red flag. 
Well, yeah, it, that means that something happened in that practice, and it was a light practice. They, they were, I don't say glorified walkthroughs. So, yeah, we'll see. Uh, and, and with the way the season's gone and the way that Quentin's season's gone, you're going to say, yeah, you know, maybe he will miss time. So you don't know. Uh, but that's how the season's gone for these guys, for certain guys. And hopefully that was more of a precaution the second day to hold him out. But, yeah, we'll, we'll see how that goes. Let's look at the Jets injury report. Uh, left tackle Makai Becton is on injured reserve. Did that just happen this week, Joe, or did that happen? Uh... No, it happened a few weeks ago. Okay. This has been the case. Okay. Uh, did not practice on Monday or Tuesday. Quarterback Zach Wilson, obviously, with his knee, the second overall pick in the 2021 draft, will not play against the Colts. Uh, we'll talk plenty about Mike White in just a little bit, their backup, who had a heck of a week last week. Uh, wide receiver Corey Davis did not practice on Monday or Tuesday uh, with a hip injury. Also, offensive tackle George Fant, an ankle injury. He's been filling in for Mekhi Becton over there at left tackle, so that could be a real, real shot could to there. third stringer Exactly. Hey, oh, well, Quiddy Pay, let's go. Uh, running back Tevin Coleman, uh, IU zone with a hamstring injury. That's right. And uh, defensive lineman Bryce Huff with a back injury. So uh, certainly a couple guys there who, who are playmaker guys or important guys to them also injured um, when uh, they'll be on a short week themselves coming here after an incredibly emotional win against Cincinnati. Uh, so they're going to have to tur- turn the turn things around quickly to, to come out here just as the Colts were turning things around quickly coming off a loss to uh, get back out here to Thursday night football. So if you look at the teams record-wise, I mean, Colts are 3-5, and five, Jets are 2-5. and five. Um, everyone's like mentioned talked about you see the Jets being referred to as one of the worst teams in the NFL well they have wins over the Cincinnati Bengals and the Tennessee Titans two teams that people have included among the top tier in the AFC this year so um, so chap you look at a team like that it's crazy that like you you know that they have the talent and uh, in in some aspects the coaching as well to to beat the best teams in the league but um, they're, they're anything but consistent and can't always put it together. So part of you hopes that they're just not on their A game. And the other part of you hopes that if they do bring their A game, then you can just go out there and match it, not be surprised by it since it's, oh, it's the Jets. Oh, well, well, you, you, you've seen what the Jets can do this year. So it could be a very interesting Thursday night matchup if that's the case. Yeah. What is it? You are what your record says you are. I mean, we can sit here and write, we can rationalize all we want about, boy, you should have beaten Pittsburgh. You should have beaten or I mean Baltimore, you should have beaten Tennessee this past week. You are who you are, and they're three and five. And we were talking in the press room, and I've gone from these are must wins to these are can't loses. I I, I realize there's probably no difference in it, but you simply can't lose these games. And, and, and but until these guys find a way to beat teams that that I guess are above them. You know, a win. What the, they're now own five against uh, playoff teams from a year ago, eight straight. They've lost, and I think Joe and I talked. Somehow, you're you're gonna have to get to ten and seven. You just are. Whether that's the division, whether that's wild card, it's got to get to ten and seven. And initially, I didn't think that would be enough in the AFC because there were so many perceived strong teams in the AFC. But it's just a it's just a mess with, with teams that you know this week, you know the, the Chargers were the team to beat and then they've stumbled and, and then Buffalo or Kansas City or or Cincinnati Cincinnati goes in and punks Baltimore and then they lose to the Jets. I mean, it's it's like the AFC is saying, listen, Colts, if you get your act together, we're right here. We're we're trying to give you every chance. 
So they, they, they've basically, in my mind, squandered every ounce of margin of error the rest of the way. They're going to have to find a way to beat a, a Tampa at Buffalo, which they darn near beat them in Buffalo last year in the playoffs. They really did. Or Arizona, and then be oh by the way you've got you I keep almost forgetting you've got the Raiders down there too, so you know yes there's there's a lot of winnable games starting with Thursday, but somehow you're going to have to find a way to beat teams that the oddsmakers say you won't beat. I think it's it's time to to include in the discussion here about the Titans being one of the better teams in the AFC. Oh, they're now only just without Derrick Henry, the guy who's their entire offense. That's why, you know, again, I, I, I would be such a bad head coach or general manager because I, I would still be PO'd about the, the Baltimore game. I would. <laughs> but, na- but now, it, if you had found a way to not lose to Tennessee, and, and that was, to me, more of a game of, that you lost than they won. I mean, I, I can argue that. You win that game, and then Derrick Henry's out. The division is yours to win. It just is. So it's it's frustrating that this team continues to build to build blocks in their own path. So until they can get out of their own way, it's gonna be we're gonna be talking about this all all through December probably. But you just cannot you cannot find enough ways to lose to the Jets or Jacksonville, which has always been a tough out for you. Always, uh, they they've put they've put themselves in this position and they've got to find a way to get out of it. And if you if you beat both these teams, you're five and five, and then you kind of reset. You hit the reset button going forward, and you kind of rally the uh, rally the troops, and then maybe you try to make a run down the stretch here as the season continues. But it certainly starts with the Jets this weekend, coming off their second win of the season to improve to two and five against the Bengals, who, as we alluded to, had a tremendous week the week before, beating and not just beating but stomping the Baltimore Ravens. Um, they uh, the Jets beat the Bengals 34-31. Uh, Mike White, quarterback, reserve QB. In for the injured Zach Wilson, goes out and throws 405 yards, three touchdowns, two interceptions in his first NFL start, completes 37 of 45 passes, and wins AFC Offensive Player of the Week. Joe, if I had asked you last week at this time who is the backup quarterback in New York with the Jets, would you have known the answer? Yeah, because I picked up Cincinnati's defense thinking it was a much better day for them in fantasy. There's Joe's first mistake. <laughs> and then Mike White goes out there and tears them apart. Um, but, yeah, Mike White first start. I mean, this guy was a fifth-round pick in 2018 of the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, he, I mean, had just not seen a lot of action. Came in and reserved the week prior when Wilson got hurt against New England. And that's basically, you look at his stats, those two games are it. Um, so very inexperienced player, certainly not as much experience as a Brett Hundley might have, but um, he got it done out there for the Jets this past week. And the Jets also went out and, excuse me, made a trade for uh, for backup Joe Flacco now uh, for, uh, with the Eagles. So now now Gardner Minshew's the backup in Philadelphia, and he got some play at the end of last week in the fourth quarter. Former AFC South standout against the Colts once again, living his best life elsewhere now. Um, but but that's uh, that's to say Joe Flacco is now the backup uh, in, in New York since Mike White's going to be the starter there. Um, he played. He was out of Western Kentucky too. It's not like not like even like college football fans know who Mike White is now. You can look back like, oh yeah, he had a career at Ole Miss, or oh yeah, he had a career at Virginia Tech. I remember seeing him on Saturday that one time. No, you probably haven't seen this guy out of Western Kentucky. Well, now you've seen him. 
And all Colts fans, Mike, are going to see him this weekend as he uh, hopes to uh, have a repeat performance from last week. Yeah, I always date myself on these podcasts, but whenever I think of Mike White, my mind goes to the he, – he was Jack Trudeau's coach at the University of Illinois back in the day. So, yeah, it, it's it's just crazy how guys have their, their 15 minutes of fame. And if the Colts give him 60 more minutes of fame, then, as I've said before, shame on them. This is one where you – you just can't let a quarterback. I realize the Bengals did, but that, that that was so Bengals. They're such a tease to their fan base, where they go out and pound Baltimore, and then they they they're feeling good about themselves, and they lose to Mike White. But it, it, you cannot let a quarterback who has now thrown whatever he's thrown this year passes. You know, because again, this this year's it. This is all he's he, he's he's played. You can't let that guy come into your building on Thursday night and do anything. You can't. And if they do, then then they deserve whatever slings and arrows the media and the fan base gives to them because this is not the kind of quarterback that you can let beat you. Keep in mind, we've got Kyler Murray and, and Tom Brady and Josh Allen coming up. You can't let somebody like this come into your house and trash you. You can't do it. And And – and Joe, when, when we're talking about uh, how Mike White was able to get some success last week, um, he first of all, he did not have a whole lot of success two weeks ago when he came in in reserve for the injured, um, the injured Zach Wilson. But then last week, uh, he, it was a lot of short passes. It was a lot of passes near or close to the line of scrimmage. He had 20 of his 45 passes went to running backs last week. Uh, Jamison Crowder was his top uh, top targeted receiver with nine targets and Crowder is I think one of the best slot receivers in the NFL to be perfectly honest I think he's incredibly underrated uh, but nevertheless that, that's also like if, if you ask me what the Colts defensive weakness is that's probably it is the short stuff like they drop back in zone they don't want to beat you they want don't want you to beat them deep so uh, what, what White was able to do last week against Baltimore is what the Colts have given up most of this season is those short passes, moving the chain slowly, trying to convert, I guess, on multiple plays and not just do those big chunks down the field. So, so maybe not exactly red flashing lights, warning signs, but certainly kind of an, a head tilt and, and an eye roll like, oh boy, uh, this could be something that could be dangerous if the Colts defense is able to be attacked in the way that it has been from several teams who have uh, played them and played them well this year. And if the Colts don't change its strategy, it means they're going to have to tackle well. You can't allow a lot of yards after the catch. That's actually getting ahead of ourselves, one of my keys to the game. But they're going to have to tackle well because Mike White is going to dump the ball off a lot. Mm -hmm. If they do change their strategy, uh, you know, make Mike White prove that he can beat you, at least in the first half. And if he does it a couple times, then go back to – you know, making him do a death by a thousand paper cuts and dink his dunk his way down the field. But I would like to see them blitz Mike White. I would like to see them force him to complete tough passes down the field instead of just be this game manager where he just dumps it off and lets his uh, pass catchers do all the work for him. Well, his running back, Michael Carter, is uh, the guy who's really taking over the Jets' backfield. He's a rookie out of the fourth round. Um, 172 yards from scrimmage and a touchdown against Cincinnati. Uh, had 75 rushing yards, 95 receiving yards. Like I said, a lot of those targets last week, Joe, went to running backs, and uh, and Carter was a big reason uh, for that. He actually leads the team in receptions, has 26 receptions, and over the past two weeks has 17 catches. So 
so watch out for running backs catching the ball out of the backfield against the Colts, specifically Michael Carter. If you're looking for receivers, Corey Davis, their top receiver when he's healthy. Uh, Colts fans should know that name because of a former top five overall pick that went to the Tennessee Titans a while back, and he was with them for, I believe, four or five years uh, before the Titans let him go in the offseason. He signed with the Jets. Uh, has 349 receiving yards, four touchdowns in six games. Um, Joe, you wrote down here that Davis told reporters his hip is feeling good, but that we will see if he's going to play on Thursday. And again, those short weeks, you, you, you just never know if things can really get 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 set that soon. Uh, the Jets are probably knocking on wood, hoping that they could have their guy. If they're going to go down the field, if there's a guy they want to go down the field too, Davis is probably that guy, right? Yeah, yeah. Corey Davis is the guy who they'll go down the field with. Uh, he's averaging over 14 yards per catch this season. Um, we'll, we'll follow us on Twitter for injury updates. We'll see if he ends up practicing today. That'll be pretty significant for his playing chances tomorrow. But Corey Davis definitely the alpha wide receiver in that group. And then there's other wide receivers like um, Jameson Crowder, who I believe was injured entering the season so they haven't had a whole lot of Crowder and Davis at once this year both playing at the same time um, if they get that back this wide receiver group is uh, I'm not going to say it's a great wide receiver group but they got some guys who can make plays on the other side of the ball defense uh, Quinnen Williams and John Franklin Myers leading the pass rush uh, Williams has four and a half sacks most on the team he was the third overall pick two years ago in the draft and uh, Franklin Myers has three sacks as well um, he was just given a uh, a contract in October, so a midseason uh, extension. A little extension there. Yeah, yeah. Y- hey, you come out, you're you're playing well, you're performing exactly as the team wants you to perform. You lock him up, you get him going. He's only 25 years old. He gets a four-year, 55 million dollar deal to stay with New York into the future, and that's a team they they have some salary cap space looking into the future, so they have some wiggle room exactly what they can do right now. You, you lock in guys like if 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 you're Chris Ballard, you would say, hey, you're locking in the guys that you know you want long-term guys, you know you can build around. So they think that Franklin. Martin is a guy they can do that way. You got a quarterback on a rookie contract. You can go ahead and extend guys. That's right. It certainly helps for sure. Um, the Jets offense ranks bottom five in the NFL in both scoring only 16 points per game and in yards, 306 yards per game. They are dead last in rushing, only 75 yards per game. But kind of as we're alluding to, they use that passing game to do a little bit more of the run type stuff. So they do a lot of dumping off to running backs or finding them out of the backfield. 13 interceptions for the Jets leads the league. Zach Wilson has nine of them, to be fair. I think he had like five of them in one game, four or five of them in one game. I can't remember exactly, but I remember that being a headline. Uh, Mike White has four of them himself. 22 sacks allowed. That's the eighth most in the league. So, uh, Chap, there's there's going to be some opportunity for the Colts' defense to to do what they're supposed to do, and that is take the ball away. It's what they're designed to do. So, a, as we've as we've said, that maybe the Jets can do one or two things that are kind of their weaknesses. Is that's kind of stay short, move the ball, be patient, and and attack them that way. Not necessarily push it too much down the field. Uh, they are they're also prone to making mistakes. So uh, watch for Darius Leonard, I would say, in this game, because uh, uh, you might see something special. Yeah, it's funny. We talked to Darius Leonard yesterday, and he got a little bit uh, short with uh, Stephen Holder. Stephen asking about wh- what do they need to do? Why are they vulnerable to these passes over the middle and all this? And he said, what are you talking about? And what Stephen was talking about was that one drive by uh, – on Sunday, where where they they had like five, Tannehill had like five or six completions to tight ends, only tight ends. So there's stuff over the middle. So yeah, it, it has been a problem. And, and the problem is that if you allow them to dink and dunk you, it takes away your pass rush. It negates the pass rush because 
it, it, it's two it's two steps, three steps, and the ball's out. So, you know, play, play tighter. I think, and almost like like just almost dare them to go deep. And then if they burn you, then you back off. But you've got to be more, I guess, aggressive. The whatever the defense is doing that that drives us crazy, and there's a lot. They're taking the ball away. Is like, is it like nine or ten in the last three games? They're really doing a good job. So uh, that's kind of what this, which people hate the the bend but don't break, and this isn't quite what Dungey had, but similar. And the whole thing is, if you want to if you want to run. 10, 12 play drives, you're either going to mess up or we got, we're going to make a play. And that's fine as long as you're making a play and they mess up. But, again, this defense, if it can get its people back again with, you know, it's going to hurt to have to not have Kari Willis. But your corners are getting healthy, healthier. And if you can start to get something out of, out of your ends, you know, maybe, maybe the injury to Lewis – the only time I'll mention his name on this is Ben Banigou. Maybe he finally gets back and can get snaps. I, I've I'm past the time expecting anything from him, but uh, it, it's going to really test, like you've mentioned, that that interior of the of, of the pass defense, the linebackers, and, and having the corners take that take away that the underneath and the slot stuff. So, but like you said, there will be opportunities to make plays. There will be. The Jets' defense ranks in the bottom five in the NFL, just like the offense, in both scoring and yards allowed. They give up nearly 30 points per game and 390 yards per game. They're dead last in the league in interceptions, only have one. Uh, they've given up the second most rushing touchdowns, 12. So run the ball, get Jonathan Taylor the ball. More than 16 times would be ideal, I think, if uh, Frank Wright keeps saying the, the ideal scenario is 20 to 25. Well, we haven't seen 20 yet this year, so... Maybe that's why they're three and five, because it's not the ideal scenario. You ever think of that? Anyway, we'll move on from that. 17 sacks tied with the Colts for 16th in the league. Um, uh, their four yards per carry allowed on defense is uh, seventh best in the league. Um, so people just keep running the ball against them quite a bit. Um, so, yeah, that's, that's our brief preview of the New York Jets as they get set to come here to Indianapolis on Thursday night football. Our keys to the game brought to you by our producer. Joe Hopkins at Roto Street Joe. Number one, limit mistakes. Don't give the Jets extra chances with turnovers and penalties. That's certainly something that uh, that reared its ugly head at the end of last week, and I don't think we need to go too much more into that. You guys covered it admirably in our po- in the podcast earlier this week, and, and so we'll move on from that. Number two, run the ball, kind of as we were just touching. Uh, Jonathan Taylor, second in the league in rushing, uh, 649 yards. Um, if that's going to be your identity, then then let it be your identity run over this this team, uh, control the clock, don't let them get multiple more tons of possessions, uh, tire out the defense, get the off, keep, uh, keep your defense fresh. Um, yeah, protect Carson Wentz. When Carson Wentz was protected last week, he was really good. I'll say that. Um, very, very good. And uh, against the Jets defense that only has one interception this year, um, he could carve them. He could. So if you protect him, uh, that uh, gives you a whole lot more opportunity uh, to, to do so. The Jackson, Jets, uh, they have 10 sacks in their two wins and seven sacks in their five losses. Joe, that's a great stat you found there that, heck, when they get to the quarterback, uh, they win. When they don't get to the quarterback, they lose. Yeah. So and To be fair, seven of those in their two wins came against Tennessee, but it just goes to show how big of an impact pass rush can make for these Jets. Fair. Absolutely fair. And then there's three in the other one, though. So, yeah, yeah, three's not a bad number of sacks. Mm-hmm. Certainly not. I take three sacks every week. Yep. 
And lastly, limit yards after the catch. Uh, Mike White throws to running backs a lot. As we said, 20 of his 45 attempts last week. Um, Elijah Moore is pretty good with the ball in his hands, too. The rookie, we talked about him doing our draft previews as a guy who maybe you like the Colts to look at um, in the second round, Joe. But uh, he's with the Jets, and, and he has, I think, been, been pretty good as, as a young he's come rookie. come on recently. Yeah, exactly. So, so, uh, so Elijah Moore, certainly a guy to watch out for as well. Jamison Crowder, too, like I said, I think a very underrated slot receiver in this league. Uh, make him complete some tougher passes down the field, or at least make him go down the field. Uh, Chap, I mean, the, the Colts' secondary is not uh, is not perfect by any stretch right now. I mean, uh, T.J. Carey's still out. He's been out for forever, it seems. Um, Xavier Rhodes has been very much a roller coaster ride this year, and both your safeties are, are still out right now, and both Julian Blackman and Kari Willis, it appears. So uh, you, you can say make them throw downfield, but then the reserves have to step up and make some plays out there. So it's kind of uh, you, you could get burned, but I would say that that's the way that you probably would want to attack them like we're, we've been talking about. Yeah, of, of all of the keys of the games, obviously, it's, it's a limit to mistakes. W- without going back too much on, on the last game, if, if you erase Wentz's two bonehead plays and the Colts have find a way to win, we're not talking about Jonathan Taylor getting 16 carries. We're not. So this is – and Frank Reich took took the loss on himself. You know, it's 100% it's on me. He was primarily talking about the, the screen out of the end zone, but he took the whole game on himself. No, this is the this was the quarterback's game to lose, and he lost it. Uh, the, the interception at the end of the game w- was so similar to Jacob Eason's interception against the Rams. It, it just was to the other side of the field. But you 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 can't make those mistakes if you're going to be the guy. So in, a, against lesser teams, don't give them extra possessions. You know that that's kind of what what Joe mentioned here and. And that's why I say moving forward, to me, it's not so much who the Colts are playing. It's just play their game. Like like you mentioned, too, get back to your identity. You know, it's fine when you've got Pittman and, and Wentz and you're throwing and all this. That's great. But your identity, your best player, your best player is Jonathan Taylor. It just is. Don't give me Quentin Nelson. Okay, blah, yeah, he's a guard. I'm sorry. He's a, he's a great guard, but he's a guard. You know, I don't think he gets 16 carries a game. So, really, they need to get to where, get back, like you said, their identity, which is a, you know, run the ball, establish run. You can put whatever number you want on Jonathan Taylor. 16 is not enough. And you can rationalize why he's not getting more carries and blah, blah, blah. But your identity's got to be not so much smash mouth because Jonathan, that's not Jonathan Taylor. He, he'll, he'll gore you. But they've got to get back to like I'm surprised Joe's not wearing his his hat today. Get back to who, get back to who you are, and and then it won't matter as much who you're playing, but it's how you play. Joe, anything more on that uh, in the keys to the game that you feel like we need to go further into? No, I mean they're not too complex here because the Colts don't have to do anything complex to win if they just execute and perform the way that they're capable of, they'll get a win against New York. So let's get to our predictions then. Let's Uh, do it. Yeah, FanDuel has the Colts 10.5-point favorites. The over-under is set at 45.5. So they're expecting something like a 27-17, 28-17 ball game is what it would come down to. Uh, Hold up here. Uh, We do have the injury report for today. Uh, Looks like Bo Pete Keys had a full practice. Kari Willis still did not practice. Quentin Nelson returned as uh, limited, and he's listed as questionable. 
for the game. Rock is in. I mean, sorry, Carter Willis has been ruled out. I figured he would be out. Yeah. So good. Good to see Bo Pete Keys uh, just for depth, if anything else. Not necessarily because he's a dynamic player in the secondary by any stretch, but. Uh, but yeah, we'll certainly be keeping an eye on, on Quentin, but good to see him back at practice. I mean, really good to see him back at practice after missing a day after that, uh, the toe injury earlier this week. So hopefully they were just being extra careful with him. Exactly. On a short week, that is exactly what you would want them to do. So back to our predictions now, um, FanDuel Colts, like I said, 10 and a half point favorites over under 45 and a half. Uh, I'll go first, Joe, you go next, then Mike will wrap us up there. Um, you, you need to win, boy. You need like like I think Mike Mike said it best. This is a can't lose more than a must win. You you cannot lose to the New York Jets. I don't care what they did last week. Oh, that was all well and good. Um, now at least you have some more tape of them. That's for sure. And what they want to do with Mike White. So if your defense uh, wants to be called an elite defense, like they've been saying all they were saying all preseason and kind of uh, got humbled the first two weeks of the year, uh, you, you got to beat up on on the chumps. And I, I don't want to be disrespectful. Maybe that's a little disrespectful, but but I so believe be you it. were just disrespectful. I think you were just disrespectful. <laughs> I, I think I was, but but you got to beat up on the Jets uh, if you want to be called an elite defense. So I, I think I, I think twenty four to fourteen, uh, something like that. Twenty four seventeen. I'll go twenty four seventeen. I think a touchdown winners. I just. I, I can't put my faith too much in the Colts after after last week because I really do think that it was it was really a, a head rocker. Um, I, I don't think it's going to be a blowout by any stretch of the imagination. If it is, that's awesome. Then you're back on track and you're feeling really good about yourself. But um, on, on a short week and uh, with a couple of injuries, then I, I, I'm not I'm not going to go exactly all in on them, even though I don't think the Jets uh, match up to them physically or. Uh, or anything like that. So I, I'll, I'll take the Colts by a touchdown, uh, but not quite at the 10.5 that, uh, that the line has them at, Joe. I am going to have them cover the line. They're at home, finally, for a primetime game, so that'll be nice. At long last. Uh, I'm going to take the Colts 26-14. to 14. Jap. I'm going 31-17. Uh, I, I think th- this is a team that's going to do this to us. This is going to be like a revisit to the Houston game where they just kind of blow the doors off somebody and you're feeling good about it, and then we'll see about Jacksonville. I, I, I just think they will get well offensively because that's who these guys are. You're not, They're not going to let you pigeonhole them into what, whatever they are. I think the offense gets its act together and the defense comes up with plays. And I think the 31-17, it won't be that close. I think the Jets make a, a cheapy touchdown late. I do expect them to kind of manhandle the Jets uh, on Thursday night. That's Mike Chappell. You can read his work online, fox59.com, cbs4indy.com. Follow him on Twitter, at mchappell51. Joe Hopkins is at Roto Street Joe. You can listen to him for great fantasy picks, like pick up the Cincinnati Bengals defense last week to play Mike White. <laughs> Just be sure that uh, you have a backup plan as well. Uh, <laughs> sorry, big guy. I did not know they would be playing the <laughs> AFC Offensive Player of the Week. And I'm Dave Griffiths. You can follow me on Twitter at DaveG underscore sports. And we all together are the at Colts Blue Zone. Follow us for Colts news and notes for throughout the week. We thank you for listening, and we'll see you next week on the Colts Blue Zone podcast. 